right. We are continuing onward with 2 John. And with this series, we will finally finish 2 John. I believe I started this about five or six months ago. And it's amazing on how long we can go in such a short letter as 2 John. There are 13 verses in it. And in the last video, I left off 2 John chapter 1, verse 11. We read that for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. We know that from the beginning of 2 John chapter 1, verse 1, that he was the writer. And the elect lady and her children are referenced to the church. And we see that the purpose of his letter was to present love and truth. He wrote this letter to remind them that the truth abides in them. Throughout the letter, we see that John balances love and truth. He wanted them to walk in love by the way they treat with one another and they want and John wants them to be aware of false doctrine and going back to second John chapter one verse eight where he tells well I actually would like to begin reading verse seven for many deceivers have gone out into the world those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist and john warns them in verse he says watch yourselves so that we may not lose what we have worked for but may win a full reward that which we may not lose what we have worked for refers to our salvation and what we may win a full reward refers to the crown of life and verse 9 goes on Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. In other words, if someone comes and teaches you another gospel, then that means they definitely do not have God in them and they will not confess that Jesus is Lord. When we follow Christ, we have teaching from both the Father and the Son. In verses 10 and 11, John warns the church that if anyone else brings another gospel, that we should not receive him. And whoever receives them participates in their evil works. So we can see from 2 John chapter, I mean 2 John chapter 1, from verses 4 all the way down to 11, that John presents a balance of love and truth. Those that love Christ will abide in his word, and they have the truth. Those that do not confess that Jesus is Lord do not have the truth, and they may be an antichrist. So we need to watch out for them. 
we should be sure not to receive them in our homes or wherever we meet, like in church, because if we do, then we will be participant of their wicked ways. Well, we are finally at the end of Second John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And John writes, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. With these last two verses, we will look in the word to see that we were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to be alone. We were never meant to serve Christ by ourselves. We were never meant to be like an island and isolated from others. I mean, we could even see from the beginning that we were never meant to be alone. So from 2 John, I like to go all the way to the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament. That would be Genesis. And begin Genesis chapter 2. And later we'll look at chapter 1 so that we can see from the word that we were never meant to be alone. Now Genesis chapter 2 is about the sixth day. And we know that on the sixth day that God created animals and he created humans. In Genesis chapter 2 we read the account of God creating Adam and putting him in the garden. The verse that we will be reading will be when God begins to look for Adam, a suitable helper. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should not be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So on the sixth day, we see that God did not make a human race with just one person. God did not expect one person to carry out the human race. And so God begins to help the man to help him find a suitable helper. Of course, God is all-knowing, and he already knew that he was going to give Adam another human being. And we see in the following verse, or a couple verses ahead, in verse 20, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. So if someone asks you who named all the animals and the birds, and every creature on the earth. Well, in verse 20, it was Adam. Adam gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of heavens and to every beast of the field. But none of those was an equal to him. Animals were never meant to be equal with 
humans. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh. And the Lord, and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman, brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So from Genesis chapter 2, from verses 21 to 23, we see that God takes a rib from Adam and he makes him another human being. He makes another gender that Adam ended up calling woman. From Genesis chapter 2, we see that God puts Adam in the garden. And he was supposed to manage it. Later on, God brought the animals to Adam so Adam can name them. And still, no animal was suitable to Adam. And after that, God made Adam another gender that gender Adam identified that as a woman in the accounts of Genesis chapter 2 we see that man was not supposed to be alone and that God made another gender with the word we see there are two genders there are male and there are female no matter how hard that science tries to debate this, that there will still be only two genders, male and female, boy and girl, man and woman. To see why God made the human race, we have to go to Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, Verse, verse 28. We see why God made them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and of every living thing that moves on the earth. Adam, I mean, God blessed Adam and Eve. He told them to be productive. He gave them authority over the earth. And in 1 Peter He identifies the people of God as a holy nation. You see, we are ambassadors for God. Ambassadors for God. 
we represent his authority. We have authority in this earth. Now, on the sixth day, God ordained marriage. Marriage is the foundation of civilization. And eventually, civilization would grow from marriage, and you will have multiple nations like we do today. So, with the institution of marriage, we see that God did not make the human being to be alone. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we see marriage ordained. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When the religious leaders asked Jesus about divorce, he referred to this point, and we can see that in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 10, we see that in verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Even Jesus knows that there are two genders because he made them that way. And he also testifies to marriage being ordained. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What God has joined together, let not man separate. So, from the beginning, we see that God did not make the human race to be just one man. We see that on the sixth day that he ordained marriage and his son testifies to that. You know, throughout Christ's ministry, he uses marriage as an example to explain the kingdom of God. Marriage gave a good visual on what the kingdom of God is like. Christ identifies himself as the bridegroom. And his followers, he identifies as the bride. I mean, let's look in Revelation. Let's go all the way to the book of Revelation to see how that is. In Revelation chapter 19, and begin verse 6, talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. 
let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. The church will be ready because Christ will completely sanctify the church. At this point, all of his followers will have new bodies. Now, when we become born in the Spirit, we still have the same body, but we have a new spirit. Well, when we get to heaven, we will have new bodies. And so that's why I said it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. A lot of us have been to weddings and we can remember when the bride comes out. She comes all dressed in white and is pure. She has a presentation of purity. Well, when we are united with the bridegroom, we will be like that bride. Our new bodies will be bright and pure. Our bodies will no longer have sin contaminated it. And Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Be confident is this very thing that Christ who began a good work in you will complete it on his day. Well, his day refers to when he returns to the world and he rescues those who have been dead first and then those who are still alive will be resurrected with him and all of them will have new bodies. Will have new bodies. Now, we were never meant to be alone. Even those who are still single. Because if you are born again, that means you are part of the body of Christ. And I want us to look at the body of Christ so that we could see that we were never meant to be alone. And to start seeing that, let's go to the to a listing of the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. The twelve apostles, and he, Jesus, and he called him his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal every disease and every affliction. The authority that God gave to Adam is the same authority that Jesus gives his 12 disciples. Remember, Peter says that we are a holy nation. Christ's body represents him. He has a body of ambassadors. We are ambassadors of him because we have his authority. Like the 12 apostles. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, 
James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And later on, Jesus sends out 72 disciples. He sends them out two by two. And we can see that in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And I'm showing these things because I want us to see from the past that Jesus did not mean his followers to go by themselves, but he sent them out two by two. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, he says, After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So they made way for the Lord. You know, God sent them out two by two because while one is sharing the gospel and speaking, the other one is praying. When we are evangelizing, it is spiritual warfare. So that's why we should not just go by ourselves on a side note. There may be a situation when we have to do that, but most of the times we should be willing to go with others. So that together while we're evangelizing, that we are praying. Now, the body of Christ are not just made of apostles or disciples. But there are other ministries in the body of Christ. And to see that, let us go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now I'll read verses 11 and 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ regardless of your gift and your ministry calling that we are united in Christ we make up the body of Christ with Christ being the head you see there are not just apostles or evangelists or pastors that's building up the church, but there are other aspects in ministry. You know, they are working together to build up the body of Christ. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has pointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, 
third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and 20 points out to what I was saying that the body of Christ is not made of one or two parts, but there are different parts with different gifts. And they have one purpose, and that's to build the body of Christ. And we see the order. First, the apostles. Second, the prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. You know, if you desire the gifts, you know, Paul says that we should desire the best ones. And Paul says the best one out of all these gifts is the gifts of prophecy. In verse 31, we see that, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will still show a more excellent way. You know, even though their gifts have different levels, you know, but still, we are still part of the body of Christ. And so together, we build him up. And we were never meant to go at it alone. You know, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to do. We are supposed to witness together. We are supposed to share the gospel together. I mean, the Great Commission is written in the first five books of the Bible. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. He tells all his followers to do that. He does not just tell the apostles, the prophets, or the pastors to just do that. But he says, all, go and make disciples of all nations. We are supposed to be building the Christ, build Christ's body together. So as body of Christ, we're supposed to witness together. And we're also supposed to worship together we are supposed to worship christ in spirit and in truth now along with witnessing together and worshiping together that the body of christ is supposed to pray together you know earlier on i mentioned how jesus sent his disciples two by two where one was evangelizing and the other one was praying because when we evangelize, we enter into spiritual warfare. And it's even more spiritual warfare when we desire to be holy. So that's why it's very important to know that prayer is a weapon. And it's also our spiritual food that gives us strength. And look at what Jesus says about when we pray together in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. He says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything asked, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So when we pray together, at least two, that Jesus is joining us with prayer by the Holy Spirit. We unite with Christ by the Holy Spirit. 
And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of all the things that he has taught us. And together we come to him as one. We have his authority as body of Christ. And so with prayer, you know, in James chapter 5 verse 14, it asks the question right here. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So with prayer, we are reminded the authority that we have here we have the authority over satan and his demons we also have the authority over sickness you know john chapter 15 verse 7 says if you abide in me then whatever you ask in my name it will be done god can heal he has given us the gift of healing because we are his and we have his authority you know when we pray together we are stronger you know jesus never meant us to serve ministry by ourselves we are meant to build his kingdom together and going all the way back into the beginning god did not just create one human being but he created more than one. And on the sixth day, God ordained marriage. And Jesus testifies to that marriage. With marriage, there are many nations that come off of that. Jesus uses marriage to help us to understand the kingdom. He also uses the human body to help us understand. You know, the body is made of the head and the body. The body cannot operate without the head. The head and body are one with the head at top. Christ is the head and the body is made up of different parts. And with the spirit, you know, Christ's body has individuals with different gifts and with a single purpose of building the church by serving him and serving others. You know, John tells us that those that abide in him will carry out his commands as to love others just as he has commanded us. The body of Christ is not just one person, but there are many people in it. Now, on the day of Pentecost, we saw the Holy Spirit enter into the believers. And within a single day, they went from 120 to about 
Let's see. I know it's here somewhere. Usually I'm either guessing like 3,000 or 5,000. But I think I'm getting... Yes, here we go. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And those 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers. So along with the body of believers that witness together, worship together, pray together, and they are also to fellowship together. So we see the idea that we were never meant to be alone, but we were meant to be part of the body of Christ. So going back, the second John. Though I have much write, have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so our joy may be complete. You see, John really wanted to see this church. He did not just want to write to them, but he wanted to be with them. You know, that's how God created us. He made us relational human beings. He made us want to have a relationship with Him and a relationship with others. So together, we can edify the church and our joy may be complete. Amen.